We're kicking down this motherfucking door, and we're doing that. Let's get into it. If there's anything that could be haunted, for sure that Whoa. fucking chair's haunted. Then again, the internet always wins. The internet always wins. Searching around about uh, this dock I found. Let's be frank, there's piss on the floor. Was pulled out of power and he was murdered by firing squad. I'll start off in pain. Three dudes in a dock. That's the one. That, that is what it's called. Okay. Live on, not really live, but on location. Live enough. Yeah. yeah. On location at uh, Belleville Downtown Dock Fest. Lively but not live. That's good enough. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty much. Yeah. That's our tagline yeah. for the Dock Fest. Um, so, yeah, I wasn't here yesterday. Yeah. You, you guys uh, sorely took the missed. reins. I was out of town. Uh, <laughs> so, kind of give me a recap uh, what went down yesterday. We had a warm welcome from Holly Dewar, the festival director, in the morning. Nice. She gave us a spot to set up. You don't want actual production notes, do you? You want, like, <laughs> yeah, what yeah. the festival is like. Yeah. Um, it was good. Kind of quiet. There was a massive snowstorm, so turnout was definitely lower than everyone expected. Right. Uh, and for us as well, unfortunately, we weren't able to snag an interview, but we were here. We had a good chat. We Perfect. saw some docs. I stuck around last night and watched uh, Subject, the, okay. uh, the documentary about documentaries, which isn't maybe precisely what it's about. Um, I was, I either misread the description or I was mildly misinformed. Uh, and in the same evening, I got to watch uh, four loyalist student films that premiered. Um, they were, were they good. docs? Or they were yeah, just, they were docs. Yeah. Oh, yeah. cool. Um, and uh, I feel like there was a short that played as well, but I forget. I forget what it was. But um, no, it was good. Yeah, yesterday was a good time. I wish that uh, it was a little busier for everyone's sake that rush, yeah. like rush tickets sold at the door were obviously probably pretty low yeah. in numbers. But I mean... Dockfest will be around next year. Perfect. I can't imagine it's going anywhere. No. No. Yeah. It was a good day, though. Yeah, it was. So outline some of the docs that, uh, that you guys watched. Uh, I watched, wait, today or the whole or, festival? The whole or, festival. Or, yeah. Uh, today, Mitch and I just got out of um, the Mighty Spits, Allies in the Clouds. That was, that was good. Yeah. Um, I realized that it's, it's a locally made film and funding is fierce uh, and admittedly I think that there is uh, maybe a conflation um, between the fact that you've made a documentary and the fact that documentaries can also be pure documentaries and artful and I think that this one provided a ton of good information mm -hmm. awesome stories great material to work with not exactly as artful as some others but it was serious subject matter and the the art half of this filmmaking piece is uh i think probably secondary to the primary fact of trying to get good um stable information right. about these these folks in the in the documentary as the subjects so i would say that it was great i enjoyed it but um 
yeah, leaned more toward true, maybe classical, what people expect when they hear the word documentary style of production mm-hmm. versus like the, the new age kind of Werner Herzog doc style where it's, so, it's pure art first and it just happens to also be true. Right. So what, what was it about? It was about uh, a local guy from uh, Marmara. Okay. I was going to say Marlbank, but way bigger town. Marmara is a way bigger town by about a thousand people. <laughs> um, technically from Deloro, uh, which is essentially a, an extended town of Marmara. But uh, he was in the uh, RCAF and trained, got sort of injured. He broke his kneecap in a car accident just just as the war was kind of kicking off so he wasn't able to go into like general infantry and he didn't also have to sign up either but he wanted to to play his part and to to do some work that he thought needed to be done so he joined and he maybe played a hard card of that i don't actually have to be here at all he got an exemption Mm -hmm. He, he couldn't be drafted he couldn't be conscripted he didn't have to voluntarily serve there was no obligation legally for him to, to serve, but uh, he wanted to, so he said, he, I think he went to Trenton, yeah. um, to the airbase there, and said that he would like to be a pilot, um, and they were like, well, you can't just walk in here and ask to be a pilot and get to be a pilot, and he was like, well, mm-hmm. I don't actually have to be here at all, so I guess I won't. I'm going to go home. And he walked out the door, and just as he was leaving, they called him back. They were like, oh, Mr. Mr. Loveless, I think his name was uh, Fred Fred or Frank. Yeah, and everyone called him Bud. Everyone called him Bud. Yeah. They never really called him by his first name. They did for sure. They didn't miss that in the in the doc, but I don't recall his name. Um, so they, yeah, they called back Mr. Loveless and they said, okay, I think we can we can find a spot for you. Because he was well-spoken. He, he wrote well in his application. I think that the military classically was like, you don't tell me what to do. I tell you what to do. And he was an electrician too. So yeah, he was like, a trained oh, electrician. Yeah, this... We could, so like, we could put you in some situations. Yeah, valuable guy. <clears throat> yeah, good guy, valuable guy. So they signed him up. He trained for a year or two because it took a lot of education, I think, to fly mm-hmm. these planes because it's, it's a new technology. I mean, it takes a lot to fly them now, but equally as much back then for different reasons. So he was training for quite a while, and uh, I think he was in Quebec, and then he went to uh, Nova Scotia to sail across, to serve. I think that was in 1943. Yeah, or maybe, 43 or 44. Yeah, he was, a, he was overseas for two years. I think it was 43 then. And uh, he was doing mainly reconnaissance missions over okay. there, like um, no weapons. And I guess they didn't say this in the doc, but they had a Q&A afterwards with the filmmakers, which was really cool. Um, the filmmakers mentioned that uh, they would tape over the barrels of the guns on these reconnaissance missions. because they, they were flying Spitfires. Which Spitfires, like yeah. The, they were like one of the best fighter right. planes. So like, here, young kid, here's a sports car, but don't go too fast. Just take pictures in it. Yeah. So, so they, they what would, they did... They would tape over the gun barrel so that if they came back and saw that the tape was busted... Well, you shot your gun, and you're probably not going to get to fly that plane. Like you again. get reprimanded because, right. like, you were just supposed to go up there and take pictures. Yeah, they like, couldn't trust ah, you now. So. I'm a young kid. I wanted to shoot some stuff down. Yeah. And they're like, no, like rare in the go. You so. can't do that. Yeah, they uh, they gave him the Mustang. They like debombed. I don't know if Mustangs ever really carried or not Mustangs. The Spitfires. Spitfires, same fucking thing. But I don't anyways. know if they ever did, but they just had like shitloads of ammunition. So. Yeah, mostly like uh, machine gun stuff yeah. and. Um, but they loaded him up with, like, I think four cameras, two 
uh, hangers under the wings. Okay. And yeah. then two just behind the cockpit in the fuselage section, they were shooting out the side. Um, so they loaded him up with four cameras and uh, just told him to go do reconnaissance missions. And I think he flew a total of like 40, 45 yeah, missions. Crazy. They didn't mention, but it'd be interesting to see how they took pictures. Like, did they just reroute mm-hmm. the triggers? So like, that's yeah. where you take the, because it couldn't have been something complicated. Yeah. Like, there's no way this kid has to fly the plane. And then also like, oh, are my levels correct? Like, yeah. am I going <laughs> to, what's the exposure on this as bullets are coming over your head? Yeah. So I wonder, I wonder. So if you shoot in black and white film, do you know if you can, like if you overexpose it, can you like darken it in uh, um, development? I have no idea. Sure. I think if it's blowing out to an extent, it's blowing it's out. Bit, but yeah, like there's no information to retrieve. Yeah, I don't know. Sort of capture what you capture. I, it I would know. just blow my mind if they're up there flying and also doing camera settings <laughs> that like, guys, yeah, this is insane. Yeah. But I don't. I don't know. Like, I don't think... Because they wouldn't they have access like, to the cameras either. Or, like, automatic levels on the cameras. Like, just put her in auto, and it'll get in focus. Let's go. Like, yeah. buddy, we're in the 40s. Yeah, it doesn't work like that. We don't that. have that. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. They would fly tandem, though, I think, right? Yeah, um, yeah. You would have, like, a camera operator, and then a guy with the actual guns pilot. in the back. Yeah. Like, another plane, not in the back of your plane. Yeah. 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 I Which is crazy, because it, it was just one. So, like... In the situation where the one, the photographer, his gunner, and the other plane got, had a maintenance malfunction or something, yeah. and he had to turn around. So this guy's out there in enemy airspace, just taking pictures, no guns, and yeah. like, I got no escorts, nothing. And like, what the fuck? Mm-hmm. So like, let's have a couple. Can I have like a couple of guys with me? Yeah. No, you get one. Yeah. That's a cool story. Yeah. Yeah. It was, yeah, yeah it was great. And then he got shot down. Um <laughs> over enemy territory and he had parachuted but like the the Spitfire wasn't designed to ever really be um, ejectable like you couldn't confidently eject out yeah um, first of all they never had any training for that because they weren't about to in the middle of wartime waste a plane right so no one had ever practiced anyone who flew uh, Spitfire never ejected unless you were in the real life situation where it was required. Right. So, Which is nuts. So like the first time you do yeah. it is like, that's when it matters. Yeah. I'm like fuck me. One shot. Yeah. So like, um, was there interviews with this guy? No. No, I was kidding. No, I was no like, like, I'm like he's his, gotta be he passed old. away in 1990. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, but they interviewed his um, son-in-law yeah. who was like one of the few people who told him his war stories, which I like to think is funny that this guy, like, hey, I want (laughs) to date your daughter. And he's like, sit down, son. Let me tell you a story. (laughs) Everyone else is like, this guy's the nicest guy ever. And the son-in-law is like, man, I've heard stories. He was fucked up. But no, he was like interested in it and had all his medals and like, oh yeah, this is what. And then when he was shot down. He was like almost entrusted with his intellectual estate. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Just like, I can tell this person, but like, I can't tell my direct family because like, I don't want them to be like emotionally like, like they're going to bring it up every day. Like, that's fucking crazy. You went through this, Tyler. You're like, damn, Are you okay? Yeah. 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 Like, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. We're good. Let's keep moving. So he got shot down, had to parachute for the first time. And I guess to Spitfire, uh, pilots frequently would uh, flip upside down because there was no actual ejection seat. So you'd blow your cockpit top, you'd flip upside down, unbuckle yourself and drop out. But if you didn't kind of half dive, jump out downwards towards the earth, you would get caught in the tail. 
you oh, would just you break your yeah. back and get cut in half and like like Titanic scene in the propeller. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, precisely. Yeah, like if you didn't jump just the right way <sighs> with no practice, you'd get caught up in the tail and you'd be dead anyways. Yeah. So like or knocked out cool. in the air, like just floating. Like oh, yeah. this is no good. Yeah. Yeah, so he, he successfully parachuted for the first time ever. And he had no training either. Yep. They had never done parachute test runs. Well, he didn't at least. but mm-hmm. So he successfully bailed out of a Spitfire for the first time and parachuted down. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Survived, but got picked up by some German um, Waffen SS, which are like the fucking stormtroopers. Storm yeah. Yeah, yeah, like they're the baddest of the bad. Empire um, Strikes Back type. Yeah, so he was a POW, kept in a camp. Um, German controlled for I think they said two weeks. Yeah, like one of the guys that there's a picture of him that he got captured with was a guy that helped to build the tunnels for the Great Escape. Oh yeah, and yeah. then that guy transferred from that camp like a week or two before the tunnels were discovered. Huh. But it was just like oh yeah, in this picture like Tyler like he was he helped do this and I was like holy shit yeah this guy seems like Forrest Gump that he's just walking through life <laughs> and then like and yeah. then I met this person and then I did this and then I did that yeah yeah and then after the war comes back and owns like a grocery like a successful grocery store in his hometown for like twenty plus years yeah he was just a butcher and, and his buddy um, down the street owned a gas station and at the beginning of the war they made a pact that like hey if like, if you die, you ha- I'll go tell your family. And if I die, you have to tell my family. And the guy that owned the gas station died. So then this guy had to go back. And then he was. they were saying that, like, if the two lived, they would have had, like, these successful businesses. Yeah, like the main just, interest of the dog. Yeah, yeah, yeah. survived. But. And you're like, fuck. Yeah, so it, yeah. Was, it was good. There was a bunch of recreations, which um, I think because it's a lower budget film, I think that there was... Um, just lack of funding. The, sure. The, but even in like high budget recreations are very, very, very tough to do. Yeah. Like yeah. very tough. Because yeah. it could be like just a l- little things where you're like, this, there's something weird about this. Yeah. What was that doc that we watched about? Um, uh, oh, it was uh, the guy who shot JFK. Um, yeah. What was that one? Um, I know what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. Um, what was that guy's what, name? Harry Lee Os- or Oswald. Henry, yeah, it's what? Oswald. Was it, yeah. Is it Henry Lee Getting Oswald, Oswald or no. something. Yeah. Um, yeah. In that doc, fuck. yeah, the recreations there were terrible. Yeah. These yeah. ones were way better. Yeah. yeah. The, and they the, probably the had a way space. bigger budget. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. These ones were better than those ones. So, yeah. Yeah, it was good. But, yeah, I think there this was, this was an excellent trove of historical information that mm-hmm. also is proudly local. And, yeah. And there was a short before that was a guy who was a Lancaster bomber pilot or a bomber um, observer. Yeah. So I think he... He was the bombsider, yeah. Yeah. Had like the Nordic bombsite thing that like made... So like, I want to bomb this. I got to bomb this place. I can... This is how I figure out how to do it. And this guy, his job, as he's going over Hamburg, as they're blowing the shit out of Hamburg, he's on his stomach looking down at everything as they're flying over it being like, bomb here bomb over here and he's like yeah it's it's crazy having that uh, observe like having that view over something yeah. that and he's like yeah. we went over hamburg like three times three times he's yeah. like the third time they're like this is where you guys are going all of them were like fuck well we can't go like i don't want to go like when we're not we we can't go there yeah and then was he was like after going over hamburg three times you're like man i could do anything in my life yeah. like yeah. this is nothing and then came back <laughs> 
and played hockey at Queens for like four or five years. Cool. And yeah. on that team, a lot of them were vets. So I'm like, Jesus Christ. Yeah. Being so, the odd guy out, you'd be like, oh, yeah. you guys have something really special going yeah. on here. Man, the summer of 43, I was <laughs> vacationing, and they're like, you son of a bitch. Yeah, we were in the south of France, but I wasn't on it's, fucking vacation. Yeah. Yeah. And so for non-locals, Queens is a, is a university about 45 minutes from us. Yeah, in Kingston. A big university. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, Elon Musk went there for a little yeah, bit. Yeah, that's why mm. I didn't, I just said, <laughs> everyone knows where Queens is. Yeah. It's like if we were doing this in Boston and then we said something about Harvard and you'd be like, it's actually down the street. Harvard's yeah, just cool. I, yeah, I think yeah. Harvard's a little... <laughs> okay, I'm just trying to give Queens its credit, but okay. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah, cool. It was called, um, yeah, it was called... Yeah, it was Century in the Making. The yeah. Stu Crawford story. Oh, and he had um, his like army um, like treasure chest. Yeah, he kept know. it. He kept yeah. it. And like when... Was he shot down or something happened? Uh, where he didn't come back, and then he was like, yeah, if you don't come... Oh, yeah, he was shot down, because he landed on a barn roof. Yeah, but then they really never loudly. mentioned like him. I think he just walked back to Allied yeah. territory. Yeah, but yeah, he up. got shot down, and then, yeah, bounced off of this roof, and was like, oh, fuck, I made all this noise. And then, yeah, he just said he got found a familiar face. Yeah, he like jumped down off the roof, because no one came out, and yeah. then walked in the direction of where he thought yeah, was like, like, oh, Allies. England's this way. <laughs> and then he met a Canadian on the road after he had walked a pretty good distance. And the Canadian's like, oh, like, where did you just come from? Oh, and it was a paratrooper. So the paratrooper. Yeah. Kind of, yeah. He pointed back and he's like, oh, I landed back there just over there. And the Canadian's like, you literally just walked through a minefield. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And the guy's like, like oh, okay. But his chest at the airbase of like when, if you got shot down, like Christian and I would go through your shit because we're like, whatever, Tyler's not coming back. Yeah. I want a fresh t-shirt. Yeah. And this guy's buddy was like, no one's going through that fucking chest because he's coming back. Yeah. And then it cuts to him and his head was going through his chest. Like he still has his uniform. He, he still like has all of his letters. Old food and stuff. Yeah. Like, like, like K ration box. Yeah. And I was like, Crazy. holy shit. Yeah, yeah. It was pretty cool. And when he passed away last year. I think so. Yeah. yeah. So it's called a century in the making, and I, I, th I assume he's a hundred, at least a hundred at yeah. the making of this disc yeah. talk. Yeah. And he was still but. like, he was like, I can sit back and right now I can in my mind like I have the image of what Hamburg was like, or like certain yeah. things in training that like I can take my brain back t yeah. today. Or like stepping yeah. onto the ice Whoa. to play his first game with yeah. Queens. He was like, I can I can feel the footsteps in my legs of stepping onto the ice yeah. to play McGill the first night. And they played in the form and he was like, oh yeah, stepping onto that ice, I was like, wow, this is a historic. Like we're making history right yeah. now. Yeah, like this is a historic yeah. venue and like, oh fuck yeah it is, that's so cool. Yeah. yeah, crazy. They lost that first game, but they never lost again to McGill, I guess. Yeah, yeah. that was a good one. Yeah, yeah. It was that cool. was really cool. Yeah, it was a uh, good, like, coherent story. It was. And you said that was a short. That was yeah, a was short. A, yeah, it 12, played first, yeah. fourteen minutes or something. Cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, it was really cool. Just, yeah, it's crazy how you can tell such a huge story in a short amount of time. Yeah, yeah. this guy was just chilling on his couch yeah. and like, oh, I'll tell you. Yeah, the right just words. Getting interviewed. I mean, yeah, you could nail it. Yeah, it's really cool. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, like the story you told, I'm like, yeah, that was like a two-hour doc. Yeah. No. Yeah. Twenty minutes. Yeah, it was good. Yeah, yeah. so um, that was this morning down at the Pinnacle Playhouse, and mm -hmm. uh, I think what's playing there now is called To Kill a Tiger, which I was not really... <laughs> I didn't have the energy to watch that because it's all about a town in a little village in India where uh, I think a girl gets raped 
and I don't I don't know if she dies. I don't think so. But they find the guys who did it. They arrest them, but then there's a huge town-wide grassroots protest to release these guys that like to drop the charges essentially and that that's fucking heartbreaking so i bailed (laughs) i didn't want to watch it i'm not even super down to like talk to people about that one i'll just i'll i'll accept that it exists and i don't feel like i need to know more yeah just tragic fair yeah that's rough so i think what's coming up is uh we're at the empire theater right now and the one on location Uh, for us to talk to people about is called Forest for the Trees, which is, I believe, if I've read the description correctly this time, about uh, the life of uh, West Coast Canadian tree planters. Um, Okay. Why why they're doing it, what it's like to do it. Um, Obviously, climate change is going to be probably front and center, but... That's what's playing right now. You think any of them don't really give a shit about the environment? They're like, it's great money. So that's yeah, why I'm, I'm here. I'm trying to make this into a corporation. Because <laughs> so, like, ah, so. you choose a particular encampment. Um, and I know then, a few people that have done that. Yeah. yeah. Hey, a lot of uh, like high school students at the end of their high school career go and do it. Because mm-hmm. you know, it, it is it, good money if you yeah, work hard. And it's fucking in the woods. <laughs> fuck, and, fuck, and fucking in the woods. Yeah. But yeah, and it's, it's, it's an experience, right? Mm-hmm. So you, you go somewhere you've probably never been before. Yeah. And Camp Spiritually like, and sexually. <laughs> you camp out for like six weeks in the woods. Yeah. 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 Yeah, it sounds interesting. So hopefully we get to chat with someone about that. And the doc that's playing mm-hmm. as the short... It's called If There's No Struggle. Um, not super certain what that's about. I kind of think it's about um, like uh, inner city graffiti art. Okay. I think. Mm-hmm. I'm probably going to have to eat my shoe after, but <laughs> yeah. That could be an art piece. Warner did it. Yeah. I don't want to be like that, though. He ate a oh, shoe. Oh, yeah, he did eat a shoe. Yeah, buddy. I forgot about that. Yeah, he did. What a guy. <laughs> Antics, German antics, <laughs> German antics. Yeah, they've been up to stuff lately. Crazy. Yeah. Well, let's uh, let's take a moment and uh, we'll uh, we'll come back with some uh, some material that you guys uh, recorded yesterday while I was gone. Yeah, Hell yeah. Right on. Let's cool. do it. Two out of three dudes on location. Where are we, Christian? Belleville's downtown Dockfest. Cool. Today's the fourth. I think so. Today must be the fourth. Let's check. We'll go to the producers. Second day. I.e. my phone. Yes, the fourth. It's a solid intro we've created. So yeah, this is the twelfth year mm-hmm. of the festival. The second time we've been here. Yeah. The first time we were here, we indirectly started a pandemic. That'd <laughs> be <laughs> a wild way to look at that. Well, that is, we were here and then like a month or two after, right? Like a Stuff. week later. Yeah. I think the festival last time was March 8th. That was like the opening day. It was the CRISPR doc, man. That's what did it. Oh, Jesus. I've never thought about it before. I just thought of it right now. Mm. So we're, we're on location. Mm-hmm. For At the Empire Fest. Theater. Doing, I don't know, we're just waiting for interviews? I guess so. Cool. They're is playing right now i think a feature and a oh, yeah. short yeah and as far as i can see off of the chart 
they would be part of the pack. Cool. That's the feature. Okay. The one about uh, relationship to animals, mostly wolves. Okay. Uh, and the short dock, Bell River. That one, I don't, I don't know what Bell River is. Okay. Cool. The wolf one sounds intense. Yeah, we were talking about that on the way in. Yeah. That would be fun to catch. I would like that one. But uh, unfortunately, I think I've only got space today for one dog. Yes. But it's a uh, subject. Something that I think that I, I bring up almost involuntarily now at this point uh, in every episode is the, the nature of making a documentary is not as straightforward as people imagine it to be. Uh, and... A lot of the time, uh, you cross boundaries when you're making a documentary, just the production of it, mm-hmm. um, into your subject, and it's it's a bit like like ethno ethnobiology, I think it's called. It is cool, Whoa. but um, this is broke. Like we're like it's like it's like anthropology, but yeah. uh, it is cool that you've talked about it on multiple occasions, and then there's now we get to see one. Yeah, yeah, we'll see That's how fun. that goes. <laughs> Not that I'm looking to like critique this to find no but it's negative. just neat that you're interested on a subject and then they, like a doc gets made on the subject yeah and, and it's like, showing oh now. shit that's what i was talking about that's cool indirectly i think uh one we've done before the sarah Polly doc yeah stories we tell yeah that is remarkably and by accident close to what i have always imagined a documentary about documentaries to be like, yeah. and that it it's it's perfect. It's like Dark Days in that respect too. In that it it was not started uh, in the beginning in order to make a documentary. It was she was simply filming everything already. Not oh, yeah. not everything. Yeah, not compulsively yeah, yeah. like Doctor Zombie or the Banksy doc guy. He's filming compulsively. But oh, Doctor Brainwash. Dr. Brainwash, yeah. Where did Dr. He go? Zombie, what the fuck are you talking about? Dr. Brainwash, yeah. That know. guy, that was compulsive, I think. Yeah. But um, Sarah Pauly seemed to just, like, grow mm-hmm. from nothing. Like, it was at one point not at all on her mind, but her life and investigating it for pretty, like, dramatic and interesting reasons um, necessitated telling its story back to itself like she needed to tell herself mm-hmm. her own story and so she did she decided to do a documentary but at that moment that they decided to turn her story into a documentary they turned the camera on and finished their conversation about how they should start a documentary about this mm-hmm. and it the doc and then it kind of it you realize that the documentary just caught up with itself and ate its own tail. Yeah. In like one of the most uh, well done ways too. Cause I think other things have done that they've become self-referential, but maybe mm-hmm. not quite to Sarah Polly's quality. Mm-hmm. It's pure. It's, it's almost pure. I would say, um, and how you could make a documentary about documentaries. Mm-hmm. One of the best ways is to accidentally capture yourself doing it in the first place because now yeah. the role of the camera is sort of like when you film a large crowd. No one person is intimately aware that you're filming. They, mm-hmm. they lose themselves into just 
sort of being normal again, yeah. being themselves. Um, so you you eventually do, in a sense, capture pure footage, I would say, mm. uh, of particular scenes. Once in a while they happen. But Sarah Pauly's same thing. It was just on a one-to-one -one basis, which is yeah, so much harder. But it's like Dark Days in that it, it was not set out to be a doc. It just, they decided to do it at the moment they turned the camera on mm -hmm. and then it never stopped and it was you were as a viewer as soon as you hit that point in the story you're immediately along for the ride yeah and yeah. nothing is nothing is perceived as trickery obviously mm -hmm. like we talked about there are scenes where you would not include them in a documentary because it would make the person look different than how you would like to present them yeah there's always uh it has to be like a through line. Like you'd just be all over yeah. the place. Yeah, like we said on the way in. Which like would be kind of cool to do because you just start like have someone at the end of it be like, I don't know how I feel about this person. You're yeah. Like, that was cool. Yeah, like kind of like Ginger yeah. Baker. Like he's he's got a really interesting life. But Yeah, that's a, mm. yeah, that's a good example. He's like, this guy is like he didn't turn the camera a talented off musician. But outside of that, like you're a fucking dickhead, bro. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but like yeah. there's no um, there's that there's no point in that doc. I think it's called Beware Mr. Baker. Yeah, Beware of Mr. Baker. Um, there's no point in that doc that I feel like uh, has been deliberately left out because it would not be uh, really, it wouldn't be a proud moment yeah, to see yourself yeah, on yeah. camera. I'm sure like if that. they made like a puff piece on Ginger Baker, the people that actually know him would be like, this exactly. is bullshit. Or yeah. like, so like it's, it's morally just, difficult yeah. to make not a puff piece of documentary. Because like, yeah. then then you kind of get the real deal, and that it, and that comes from the editing room. Is that that person eventually will become comfortable with the camera? Yeah, and that they will. That's the key, right? Of like in any any yeah. doc is just to have the subject comfortable. Because if yeah. you have them like, oh, we're gonna make this a puff piece, and like I'm gonna every shot, I yeah. have to look like I'm the shit, and yeah. like, dude, yeah. you're like you're homeless. You can't. How are we supposed <laughs> I mean, to make this? I mean, that be every like shot is like a hero shot so yeah. it's low and he's like just that's exactly like what i mean though. like with um uh docs uh not like portraying something unreal mm -hmm. but um it's once you turn the camera on to your subject it yeah. changes the subject you're making a michael moore right he, yeah it's yeah. like you unintentionally affect <laughs> the situation yeah. just by having a camera there. Yeah. You could trick people and not even actually turn it on. You could just have a camera around, mm -hmm. like as if you're filming, and you'd probably get people acting different anyways. But it's the greatest documentary never done. <laughs> That's what it's called. <laughs> yeah. Um, it would be Do funny, you want to yeah. talk about the doc that we saw last night, the opening gala? Yeah. That was a lot of fun. The ASD band? I think it was, yeah, the o uh, OK. OK. The ASD band. Then yeah. Because OK is in all caps. Do we have to yell OK? Or are we just for our ear safety? I think for everyone else. OK. I'm not going to yell. OK, cool. But they've invited us here, so I don't want to scream <laughs> in the lobby. Because ah! <laughs> that's obviously going to cause problems. the name problems. of the movie. It's OK. So yeah, yeah ASD okay. band from yeah. Toronto. I think they're from Toronto. They said a couple of street names. It was not really clear. It was not really they were the in point, a bunch of parks that looked like it was the city of Toronto. So yeah. I don't know of other cities stealing the <laughs> city of Toronto garbage <laughs> cans and being like, we're in Edmonton, but we yeah. got Toronto's <laughs> old garbage. Don't, uh, don't ask any questions. 
So yeah. Yeah, it was good. I think they're from Toronto, but um, it it, cool. yeah, it started out really cool. It was it was uh, very immersive, almost almost like fly on the wall. But the documentarian, the filmer, mm-hmm. does interact with them quite a bit. Yeah, um, just, just ushers to keep in to like yeah, just to kind of keep the train going. Of yeah, just like so, Christian, what like what is what do you like about music? Or yeah, like you've you... been in this situation. Yeah. A lot of times, like with your your siblings or your family, yeah. um, and this one time, maybe we can talk about um, that yeah. that like your your family yeah. um, is, uh, I guess, a primary focus in all of their lives. Yeah, and there are four but, um, musicians that are all on the spectrum, like various mm-hmm. degrees yeah. of autism. So yeah, 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 for sure. Um, Spencer, the drummer, was uh, maybe highlighted one of the only members to be highlighted as commenting on that he doesn't feel like he's uh, got autism or is on the spectrum in any way, yeah, and that a- in itself was um, a complication, definitely for. Mm-hmm him growing up it looked like and him with his family relations and he seemed to have a good good family yeah they all seem like, to which seems like a key really thing and you're like oh wow you really there has to be like a team i guess it's like anyone with a yeah problem or uh, need assistance is like well you really need to have a good team yeah behind makes you to, all the difference yeah, yeah yeah um but the rest were uh needing more guidance, I think, in that respect. The guitarist um, was uh, mentioned by his parents to be like quite high functioning. Like, yeah. he's eventually going to be able to move out and and live on his own. Whereas some of the other members, that was talked about as uh, less of an option. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, it was great. I I kind of feel now about the actual documentary itself like what was given over on the screen um production wise uh it felt a a little bit like a first timers feature film like really sharp cameras really great recorded audio Mm -hmm. right time right place like that's a good crew that's a good like uh, manager management of the team um but maybe maybe it comes out in the editing but i think also in shots that necessarily had to be used because like you can only edit what you film and if you film only some things you might not have a ton of stuff to work with but um there was a couple of moments where within a shot nothing to do with the editing it felt um unfocused like maybe they were just hip holding the camera and it was not on any kind of uh, like uh, compensating frame Mm. like uh, one of those um, like a stabilizer. Gyro, a stabilizer. Yeah, but most docs, I like that. Like if they're all like super steady, like stable shots, it's all like it's you subconsciously yeah. okay, well. feel like it's like set up where they're like we were talking about yeah. of like you're making a puff piece, but it was just like yeah, do it that's true. Raw. I guess I was thinking that it um it just maybe feels weird now. There's a bit of a dissonance for me within the history of documentaries and thinking that. Uh, cameras with poorer quality actual um, capture image capturing mm-hmm. uh, are 
the like the mobile docs like they're the ones that don't really care about framing their shots or um like getting steady um like spans captures mm -hmm. um film but uh, footage that's the word i'm looking for jeez the, the f word um, uh, but now with these crisp cameras, typically where you see crisp cameras, like really steady footage, really high def, is in dramatized pieces, like fiction yeah. pieces, yeah. not, not yeah. so much documentaries, unless yeah. it's like talking head interviews off yeah. Netflix or whatever. Like steady cam, slow moving shots in a documentary work with nature. Yeah, exactly. Like the the tallest trees on yeah. earth. That was or if great. you're like exactly. trying to make a person look real cool, you just like slow the camera down and yeah. But the whole thing, like a whole doc, you'd be like, "What the fuck? Get off this!" Yeah, yeah. There was a couple of cool moments of some slow mo in uh, in the okay. Yeah, doc. the swimming when the raw was, was swimming. Oh, I was I, like, I was so thirsty. <laughs> I just I saw the I water. Like I'd want to drink that water. Rippling up. I didn't want to drink it either, but it was nice and blue and it looked yeah. refreshing. It did oh. look pretty sick. I was like, yeah, that was a cool shot. Literally shoot just water, like yeah. water, and it looks cool as yeah. hell. So, in yeah. in that respect, I think um, I think it might have. It's my misperception, but I'm allocating the look of a crisp, smooth camera shot mm -hmm. to fiction pieces. Yeah, and that's that's not the case here because technology is changing where you can get really smooth compensated footage in high def or like in 4k or 8k even maybe mm -hmm. not 8k in a camera phone but like I'm, i guess i'm just saying is that technology some huawei phone that has 8k but yeah you know, we can't like, get it technology is to the point maybe it takes two 4k pictures and mushes them together maybe no <laughs> uh, we've got technology now where like you can have smooth super high definition uh footage without big like uh production rented cameras yeah like really expensive cameras you can just you can use a camera that's like no bigger than uh like a carton of milk or something yeah um and get really really well captured footage but that doesn't mean uh anything it like towards the story and towards the content the only thing that it really speaks to is mm -hmm. um what kind of colors and like graininess you will capture um, yeah. with these high def cameras but I really think that uh, having sh shakily shot scenes in uh, the OK doc and the gala last night was um, uh, it, it, it opened me up to maybe an ignorance of that obviously this was filmed recently mm-hmm I know the quality of cameras and how easily they can be obtained. Mm -hmm. um, and just because something is not perfectly smooth, because the picture quality suggests it should be, yeah. that you can, you can capture really high quality footage almost anywhere now. Oh, so yeah. doing a documentary is, is changing because of the technology. Yeah. It seems like uh, it's, it looks like it's portraying cinema like written fictionalized cinema well that was always the thing with like digital and film um and like the film had like a graininess to it that digital could never really yeah achieve but now it's getting that way but like the guy was saying at the gala last night of like 
the streaming services yeah, that was being more available. Yeah. It was just like on the other side of it, like technology <clears throat> being more available to like shoot and you capture. To like promote documentaries. Yeah. Because now they just, can actually to, make money. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Or like they're making money all the time. That feature, I mean, it was a feature, but um, <clears throat> there was a feature shot on iPhone. It's called Tangerine. And there's shots okay. in it that look cool as fuck. But the main thing mm -hmm. that they really focused on is lighting. And like they were in LA. So like the sun setting and it's like yeah. this cool orangey tangerine color. And oh, then there's the doc was kind of about what you can. No, it wasn't a doc. Or? It was a feature film. It was a feature. Oh. About like. Oh okay. Yeah, it was a crazy. It mm -hmm. was it was a cool movie, but um. Was there's this like full length, like an yeah. hour and a half. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god. It's about like. The, yeah. All on an iPhone. That's nuts. Um, god damn it, <laughs> the alphabet community in L.A. <laughs> oh, you couldn't remember the name? No, I could, but I just <laughs> was trying to... We'll have to pay them now. Think of a way to be... We're guests. We're guests right now. We can't be... <laughs> Mitch can't be Mitch right now. That's what I'm trying to say. Maybe not um, so much And there's in public, a new document or new feature that was shot on some crazy iPhone... The Samsung, like Mitch, your buddy Mitch. Is oh, his phone. new phone, yeah. I think there was a movie, a full feature shot on that. Yeah, it's like that's the kind of shit I'm talking about. And you, yeah. you, you've got a, a steady cam, like a yeah, yeah, we can, yeah, 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 yeah. So like, yeah, I guess it's so. When I was watching it last night, and this was right in the intro, like just just before and after, maybe the first twenty five minutes, I was I was conscious of this, and then I really fell into the story. But I was trying to get a handle on what kind of documentary this is, mm -hmm. but. You can only really make those decisions or judgments after you've seen the entirety of what it had to offer. Yeah. Because sometimes it's surprising that maybe you write a doc off in the beginning, but like um, Errol Morris's doc on uh, McNamara. Yeah. Um, the like, Fog of War, that's yeah. what it's called. Uh, that was not super interesting at first, but then I really fell into it. I was like, holy shit. Yeah. This, this is just an old a, guy trying to justify his yeah, wild like this actions. This is a great conversation to have on record. Yeah, like every politician but, needs to do a doc like yeah. that. Like that should be <laughs> like, all right, you were president in 25 years. You're going to sit down with Earl Morris. And you're yeah. like, oh. oh. <laughs> you're going to sit down with Earl Morris. Okay. Yeah. Or like his son or something. Yeah. That's going to be like a thing. Be that, subject like, to the Enterotron. Yeah. yeah. You got you to gotta do a doc about <laughs> why you invaded this country and did that. <laughs> and Hillary, just <laughs> you weren't president, yeah. but like we're going to question you because you yeah. did some wild stuff. Everyone who ran. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, everybody. Bill, why would you go to that island? Like, <laughs> I can't do the it doc. It would get there. I can't do the documentary. <laughs> yeah. So, but um, yeah, 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 yeah. So it 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 may be suggested to me that it was, um, like a, a real first feature length. Uh, well, hopefully, piece. it was. Uh, yeah, like a. You might get beat up. Yeah, but if you get beat up, yeah, that'd be sick. Yeah, the whole crew. podcast wars, hmm. fights in <laughs> the parking lot. Yeah, if okay. there's another podcast, I'll, just, I'll here. just hold out the mic. It's like, oh, oh, there's a fight. Over there. <laughs> you want to see this? Bang, bang, bang. <laughs> Oh, I'll just comment at it. Like, all oh, Christians gone. To, yeah. Yeah. All Christians got them in a Boston crab. <laughs> Boston I don't crab. even know what that is. It's oh, just, man. Yeah. So, I'm going to come up with it now. We've but, talked bullshit yeah. for 20 minutes. Is that a good enough intro for now? <laughs> if it's not, we're going to have to cut this out. He's going to have to cut around all our craziness. No. Um, 
Yeah, but the doc, yeah, the doc surprised me. And it was nice to be here. It was a full crowd. Yeah, no, that was fun. And then they had like a live performance after. That was cool. That to was see great. Them live. Oh, so it, it was a great performance. It was a great doc. I had a good time. But I will say, um, simply in like uh, art director's position, there's no way that this isn't going to sound douchey anymore. Well, but you're already talking shit, so well, okay. dig your hole deeper. Fuck, whatever. So, um, I think that uh, when the doc ended, the credits music came up mm-hmm. and ran through the credits and mm-hmm. some, I guess, like B real footage that they didn't actually use. And uh, then the doc just ended. Uh-huh. And the music stopped, uh-huh. and the lights came up. Oh, we talked about this, and we were just sitting there that with like a white so cool. projector screen. Yes. And yes. then I, I nudged your arm, and I was like, "Does yeah. this thing go up? Like, does the screen like recoil into the ceiling?" And you said, "Yeah." And I was like, "Oh fuck!" They should have ended the dock. Yeah, it would have taken some real good timing, but yeah. whatever. Pull it off. They're musicians. Yeah, have them play their instruments and start the concert. <laughs> in the credits and Man. then the screen rolls up light show smoke and fog damn would have been cool the older generation that was surrounding us in that theater would have lost their shit yeah they would have thought they were at a Def Leppard concert oh, or something yeah I remember 63 this happened then, but it fell yeah original Woodstock this is the <laughs> same vibe Woodstock. like damn that's that's high that's a high yeah. that's a high bar we're setting in Belleville but okay okay but yeah, no, that would have been Shoot cool. for the moon. We're going to go talk to the uh, organizers and figure that out for next year. Yeah. yeah. Listen, guys. We Like, 2023 we just was walked a lot in of fun, here, but, but like, do this. we got to do it again. Do this and that, because we think it's cool. They should be the gala next year. Yeah. I think it's a tradition, actually. I read on the website that they have a music doc. Yeah, they do. Open the festival every year. That's well, pretty cool. When we... Uh, oh, oh, yeah. Why didn't the band play? Yeah. They didn't watch the doc. Yeah. What, what happened there? They all got real sick. The one guy got into the drink. (laughs) (laughs) Got into the drink. Well, that's the moral of that story. That's how he would have said it. Yeah. For sure. He wrote a song about it. Um, Yeah. Cool. Yeah. It was good. But. All right. Now we're just hanging out, waiting for interviews. (laughs) It's a weird place to be. It's an empty lobby in a packed house. We're going to. And you just know what's going to. So I don't really want to be recording when the filing comes out. So we'll cut it for now, and then uh, we'll be back hopefully with an interview. Someone will come back. We're gonna cut to a commercial break, as they say. (laughs) What could our sponsor be? We'll have someone talk about uh, Ailey. You just make up fake commercials, fake sponsorships. So oh no, sorry, it wouldn't be Ailey. What time is it? Twelve twenty-three. All right, so there are some docs on the go right now. Yeah, the Empire Theater, it is Ailey. I think that's about a uh, choreographer, dance choreographer. And there's a short playing called Dad Can Dance. Okay, cool. So hopefully we can talk, nice talk, interview theme. a dancer or two or a dance yeah. enthusiast. Is that what they're called? I think so. Cool. All right. Well, we'll be back. All right. Peace. So, yeah, what uh, documentary did you just finish seeing? I just uh, saw Forest for the Trees. Okay. And that's about... Tree planting. Oh, okay. I think I read that it was about the West Coast, Canadian West Coast. Yeah, it. Uh, I think for over four years, the filmmaker uh, was in camps on the coastal mountains in BC. Holy! And wow. she was capturing the culture. It was excellent for the cult, 
culture. Yeah. Capturing the culture, I was really keen to see it. Did it show like the good and the bad, or was it maybe curated more towards uh, the good side of the tree planting, or was it also like it, it's a rough life and yeah, it had hard both job. the good and the bad. Yeah. Nice, good. But it was the culture of camps and the culture for tree planting, really for personal development. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It wasn't about the companies or the business of tree planting. Yeah. Okay. Or like even was it about the target of why there are tree planting companies? Because sometimes it's for reforestation for logging, or sometimes it's just for like climate um, change. Yeah, they didn't get into any of that. No, no targeting. It was just the fact that there's planting trees it happening. Yeah. So for uh, over uh, forty years ago, like I knew people that went tree planting. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? And my okay. partner often talks, like to this day, like he went over 40 years ago, about what he learned tree planting. And it's still relevant. And what it did relevant. for him. And really? so this, she really captured this in this. She had gone tree planting. She's a war correspondent. Oh, but oh wow. For, 20, for 10 years she tree planted. And then, and then she went out and became a war correspondent and photographer. And then the, and then the she, this was her dream to do this um, movie about uh, the tree planting because it was such a huge part oh, of her really? life and prepared yeah. her to go to these places like Afghanistan and right. everything. Oh, it's that grueling. Yeah, wow. and oh. so she really captured what life is in these camps. Hmm. Yeah. So and was this, what, do you know if this was her first doc? Was I this like a debut film for her? I don't know. The maker? Huh. She's had lots of photographs uh, printed because she's a was a war correspondent. Yeah, yeah. I wonder which one was harder. Yeah, I think she might have a mm. memoir out and and did oh, a photo really? that mm. like a lot of her pictures were in photo galleries. I think she maybe did a photo. Oh, okay. Like expose on yeah. this, but so huh. she must be older. Yeah. Like sixty, and so she's out oh, there okay. with her camera, following wow. these tree planters over really rough <laughs> terrain with the camera. Getting these like, fo- they're not stopping to say stop. Let's yeah, take yeah, a shot. Just, right. Okay. There's lots of footage of you're seeing how she's getting the shots. Yeah. Right. And then personal interviews with the people. Was the filmmaker present uh, in the film quite a bit? Like, did she include herself in the like the footage that she captured, or was it kind of like fly on the wall, or was she a participant? She was a participant. Good. Okay, that's good. I find it difficult sometimes to uh, keep it, the documentary, honest if the filmmaker pretends like they're not actually there in the scene that they're filming. Mm-hmm. It's, it's obviously the case that to capture any footage, you have to be there to film, but by being there, you might affect the scene that you're trying to capture. But if the filmmaker makes it obvious that they're present on site and they they don't try to hide the fact that they're filming this. So what you're seeing is being affected by the camera. I find that a more honest way to do a film. Right, and just the physicality of this film, they're on really rough terrain walking through slash, which is Mm -hmm. like what's so hard about tree planting. You can be on steep terrain with slash. Um, 
Rain or shine, too, I bet. Rain, shine, yeah, like yeah. all kinds of weather conditions. And so she is there, like, backing up with her camera or following, you know. She's mm-hmm. even got a lighting, like a lighting That's amazing. umbrella. So she had, like, a whole But her film, and she she, sta- she didn't stage, but she was trying. Her photos are amazing, actually. Yeah. Like, she tried to capture um, portraits. Right. Okay, nice. That's really cool. Yeah. That's great. I, I wish I could have seen this one. It seems like it was fairly, almost relaxing to watch. Like it's it's not a high pressure situation. I wouldn't think difficult, but not pressurized. Like like war corresponding or a doc about um, I don't know, like a, an explosion or a disaster. Whereas this would be something that you can passively consume without feeling like the pressure or the stress or the yeah. It didn't have the anxiety or buildup of anxiety. like a war. Yeah, yeah depiction yeah and it had tree planting as therapy almost like people they talk about it's a solitary thing where you can go out and find yourself oh i guess yeah Mm -hmm. and uh wouldn't work in teams yeah and so but then there's a huge community because you have a base camp right and you're with these people for a long time yeah Yeah. for months at a time so it was really a lot about personal growth and different people dealing with Everything from drug addiction, mental illness to be out right. there to just yeah. growing up, yeah. earning money, learning so they, about the relationships. Right, yeah. Getting hard, getting fit. Yeah. Did they, um, so they talked about what it was like out in the field or on the hillside to plant the tree, but then what it was like in the evenings when you're you're not working or planting? Like they talked about what it was like to sit around the fire and have dinner and... Yeah, they captured that culture, too. Nice. Good. That's really cool. That's awesome. Yeah, I wish I could have seen this one. Yeah. Was there a short that played that you caught as well? Did you catch the short? Uh, I think it was, I did, but yeah. this movie just so <laughs> took over my brain. I'm just trying to... Oh, it was a very good one. It was about... Um, something. That, I think uh, it was filmed in Boston. If there's no struggle. Yeah, something. and it was. it was well done. It, yeah. it was very interesting. It was about um, racism. And so oh, okay. it was a young woman going around, I believe, probably in Boston. I don't mm-hmm. know if they went to different cities. Okay. And going, present day, going to monuments. Okay. Where, like, there was um, Malcolm X, a Malcolm X portrait. And then as the young person was just looking at Malcolm X, they had a voiceover of Malcolm X. Oh, like saying a something about oh. like his philosophy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Then they had the Rosa Parks bus, the bus thing, because she's the woman who would not get to the back of the bus, right, right. and yeah. got arrested. And you don't mean they, that they had that actual bus? No, they had no, the woman looking at that area where there's a Rosa Parks memorial today, oh, and they had Rosa Parks' actual voiceover of talking That's about cool. it. So they were mixing history. Mm-hmm. With present day person looking at right. memorials of these really substantial, influential people. Huh. That's interesting. It was really well done. Yeah, yeah. it would be. That one sounds good. Yeah. yeah. I wish I could have caught both of these. Yeah. It's difficult being here on the podcast and not being able to to go out and watch them, but that's so why. They have the virtual doc fest this year, right? Yeah. So you can buy after. a virtual ticket and then yeah. i think you can probably stream some of these on your own device on your own time that's true yeah, yeah. i wonder yeah because there are some that say they're in person only okay and then there mm-hmm. are some that are are both and then there are some that are 
online only, virtual only, but yeah. I yeah, think that's, that's a cool like, feature that they yeah. have. That's neat. We should look for these. That's new. So I think yeah. that's new this year. So I, I didn't quite wrap my head around how that all that was working. Mm. But I'll be better <laughs> prepared next year. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that was a, a new implementation <laughs> yeah. from, uh, from COVID. Yeah. Because the Dog Fest was on last year and the year before, but it's like 21 and 22, but it was all virtual. They all screened uh, over the internet. Mm-hmm. So... I'm still a go-to-the-theater person. So. Me too. Yeah. I prefer it always. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, it's very different. Because well, sometimes you watch a doc uh, on your own, and you maybe you don't understand that something occurring on screen was supposed to be a joke, or mm-hmm. maybe it was supposed to be quite serious, but the, the audience reaction feeds into how you receive the doc yourself. Yeah. If something happens and you didn't quite understand, but the audience is laughing because some of them did, then it clicks and you're like, oh, I see. This this was supposed to be a joke. There was something there that I missed the first time. But yeah, audience feedback, it is nice. The photography in this, and because there were stills mixed with the cinematography, was great to see on the big screen. Mm. Oh Dude. yeah, that's always cool, yeah. yeah. She's really fantastic, high quality. Um, she was a war correspondent. Like she's just capturing this action. Yeah. Mm. Good with That's, the camera. Yeah. yeah, it was really well done. Nice. Do you have another one that you've got lined up for the the day? This is the last day of Dogfest. I know. Mm. I uh, well, that gonna try to talk my partner maybe to going into the King Crimson one tonight. I don't oh, know. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. But are you a fan of King Crimson? <laughs> I don't know a lot about them. That's why I'd like to see the movie. Okay. Like I've heard yeah. the music, but he's more the music buff. And yeah. then I wanted to go to Color of Ink this morning. I think it was about how to make natural dyes. Yeah. And that, oh, but that I, would be cool. Yeah. yeah. So maybe I'll, I, I might have to get a virtual pass. Yeah. yeah. yeah that would be a cool one cheap. to check out. Yeah. Nice. Well, I hope you enjoy the rest of the festival. Thanks. Yes. And, and thank you for talking to us. I'm really glad yeah. that you're on. Yeah. Yes. You're welcome. All right. We're sitting down here with, do you want to introduce yourself? Uh, Gary J. Smith, a former Canadian ambassador during the Cold War, uh, author of Ice War Diplomat, Hockey Meets uh, Cold War Politics at the 1972 Summit Series between Canada and the Soviet Union. And I'm featured in the film that you're going to be seeing very shortly here in Belleville at the film festival called Icebreaker, the 72 Series which is based in part on my book. Okay. So you'll see me in the film, talking, walking. Lovely. Acting. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> so is it, is it like a, a chicken or the egg question of like, did the book, was it in development first or is it like in partnership? Well, actually I was riding two horses at once. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I had started the book. The publisher was interested. Mm-hmm. And I'd gotten about three or four chapters done when the film people came around. Mm -hmm. Because last year, uh, 2022, was the 50th anniversary of the Summit Series. Yes, okay. A lot of people were showing interest in in that 50th anniversary. So the film people uh, signed me up. Mm -hmm. Uh, They uh, took uh, an option on on my book. And I helped them write the script. Uh, as I finished the book off. Oh, that's very cool. Right and then the director and I went to Moscow in, no way. S- oh, in wow. September 2021, uh, just several months before the uh, Russian invasion of Ukraine. Okay. 
And I took them around to the various places, including the arena yeah. where the four games in Moscow were played. Wow. And we also met three of the Soviet players who had been in the series. Okay. And interviewed them. And one of them, Trejak, Vladislav Trejak, the very famous goalie, yes. uh, came to the rink with us and uh. walked around and described the last minute of the final game <laughs> when Paul Henderson scored that famous goal, you know, the, fam- yes. the most famous goal in Canadian history. I have a funny story about that goal. So my last name's Henderson. It is. Yes, it is. And growing up, my dad, when he was a kid, would go to school because of that game and said, that's my uncle, but it wasn't his uncle. <laughs> so that's, that's that connection to that series. And anytime I see that goal, I always think of that and it makes me laugh. So. Well, you'll, you'll, it's on the cover of my book here. Oh, and, very and cool. you'll see it uh, very much in the film as well, because that, you know, we were, we were the overwhelming favorites to win yes. this series. Yes. It was the first time NHL pros were gonna play against the, the best uh, Soviets world champions, Olympic champions, and so on. Yes. And all the Canadians, I'd say 95%, said we're going to just wipe the ice with these guys. Mm-hmm. We're going to win all eight games by five, six, seven, eight goals. Absolutely. <laughs> and the very first game in Montreal at the Forum, September 2nd, 1972, guess what? We lost. Uh-oh. Seven to three. That's not supposed to happen. And uh-huh. this whole country was shocked. I bet. People were shocked into silence, and then they got mad. Yeah. <laughs> they got yeah. Mad and said, what the hell here? We're supposed to be winning and cleaning yeah. up with this these guys. This is no good. So the Goliath was felled in the first game, and we went on to Toronto. We won 4-1. And then we tied in Winnipeg 4-4, and we lost in Vancouver. And our team was booed off the ice. Wow. Jeez. And I saw all those eight games because I was accompanying the Soviet team. Okay. I was with the Soviet team. I was thinking too that you wouldn't have been booed off the ice by Soviets. No, no, no. They no. were they, they were, were thrilled because <laughs> again we we're saying they they're going to be beaten badly, mm-hmm. and instead the four games in Canada are over, and we're down. We've only won one, one tied, and we lost two, and we're going back to to Russia for four games mm-hmm. on big ice. Yeah, you know, we were playing the NHL smaller ice here. Oh, they have yeah. bigger rinks over there. Yeah, yeah they, they have the Olympic style. Olympic size. It's a bit bigger. Oh, I didn't Europe, know it was yeah. different. It's yeah. about uh, fifteen feet wider. Holy cow! Yeah, so which is a lot. It's it's, that's definitely it, a lot. It lets yeah. it lets the guys who can fly uh, really fly. Yeah, and uh, the bigger bruisers have uh, trouble catching up with uh, guys who are fleet of foot. Yeah. So the consensus was, gee, we're going to go over there. Most of the Canadians had never been. Out of North America, yeah, that's uh, that's a culture shock. And let, let alone to Europe and and then to Russia of all places. Yeah, and we had three thousand fans come. It was amazing, wow. you know, three thousand fans, and they created huh. a huge atmosphere. And even though we lost the first game in Moscow, uh, we were up four one. Eleven minutes to go, we lost five four. But instead of being booed off the ice like they were in Vancouver, yes. these 3,000 fans all stood up and cheered and yeah. sang Oh Canada. Wow. It was a good and, run. And, and it, it really yeah. uh, gave the Canadians a lot of intestinal fortitude and said, yeah. hey, we can beat these guys. So game six, game seven, and game eight were all one-goal victories by Canada. Wow. And the guy who scored the winning goal in each of those three games, none other than your namesake, Paul Henderson. Wow. Not not just the last game, 
but game seven, game six. I didn't know that. And he scored the last Canadian goal in game five as well. Jeez. Holy cow. And yet he's not in the Hockey Hall of Fame. Really? Just to think about that. Who did he upset? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good question. You might want to dig around on that. Yeah. Because, you know, if this was the greatest series ever. Yeah. And this was the team of the century. Absolutely. And it was the greatest goal ever. Yeah. Why, why isn't the guy who scored it? Yeah. In the Hockey Hall of Fame because 13 other players on that team are in the yeah. Hockey Hall of Fame. No. Yeah, we got to do some research <laughs> yeah. on that, Christian. Check, check that out. Yeah. Uh, check it out because it's it's been a, an issue hmm. that's been kicking around for 50 yeah, years. Yeah, that's another thing I didn't know. Yeah. Wow, yeah. wow. Hmm. So what was it like going to Russia during that time? Like, was it like a very much a different, like, oh, I'm right away off the plane. I'm in a different world. Yeah. Um, I was a diplomat. Yes. Uh, I had joined the government in 1968, and they put me on the Soviet desk right away because I had studied Soviet government at university, York okay. University in Toronto. And then they uh, said, okay, you seem to be doing okay dealing with the Soviets. We're going to send you on Russian language training, you and your wife, wow. for a whole year. Ten hours a day for a whole year. Oh, my God. And, you know... Just the two of us in the class, just sitting like this. Yeah. Right? Your turn, your turn, your turn, your turn. Okay. And so by the end of that time, we were pretty good in Russian. Mm -hmm. But still, uh, we had a lot of briefings, what to expect, what the KGB was going to be up to. And you go over there, and the country was really struggling because mm -hmm. they had taken a massive beating from, them, uh, you know, Hitler and, and the, the Nazi army. Yes. The Wehrmacht. Uh, a lot of uh, 20, 24, 25 million people killed. Yes. So large number of women around with no men. Yeah. Uh, a lot of the uh, buildings had been blown up. So everybody was in apartments. Mm -hmm. Had to share a kitchen and share a bathroom. So that was the average Russian. Uh, tough to get vegetables and fruit and so on. Very few cars at this time. I, I went there in 1971. Wow. And... You had to learn to deal with uh, bugging. I don't mean cockroaches and so on. But, <laughs> no. Uh, elect electronic bugging. Okay, right, yeah. yeah. So our office, embassy office, uh, was bugged. Your car could be bugged. Where you lived uh, was bugged. Assume In everywhere is bugged? Yeah. Yeah. Including your bedroom. Right. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So you're having a tender moment with your wife. you got to assume that someone's listening to yeah. it. Yeah. And so a lot of people have trouble with that. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, gee, uh, I just... Uh, there, was, there was the opportunity to bring family with you on this trip? Oh, yeah. I oh, mean, really? we're talking about... Uh, I was on a posting, right? So, oh, uh, your station. Yeah. Station at the embassy, yeah. So okay. you bring your family in. Right. Uh, we didn't have any children at the time, but we had a dog with us. Brought okay. The dog. Yeah, so what do you do in a bedroom situation like that? You say, well, you know, maybe those guys are going to learn something. <laughs> you, you turn it into a joke, right? Yeah. Because that's the only way you can cope with that sort of stuff. Absolutely. Yeah, there has to be levity. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. So they follow you around in cars and travel and so on and so forth, and then they would throw uh, women at you, or if you were inclined the other way, men. Okay. Or they would try to put someone to attract your wife. Yeah. Uh, they would try to find out if you were short of money. Mm-hmm. Uh, because money's always a way to get you to go over to the other side. Yeah, absolutely. Right? absolutely. Yeah. So all those things about uh, that you read in spy books uh, all happened. Hmm. All happened. 
That's wild. Rarely is that the case, where something is is written mostly fiction-wise, but then the real-life scenario turns out to be pretty much just like it. Yeah. Well, yeah. the greatest, uh, one of the greatest writers of spy novels, John Le Carre, right? was actually a member of MI6. Uh, he was uh, at the British Embassy in West Germany, where I also served. Wow, okay. So he Did you ever wrote, bump into him? Uh, no, he was there ahead of me. He wrote based on his, you know, own knowledge. Right, which you know, I guess. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, <laughs> so while it was fiction, it was based on fact. Right. Which gave it the, the credibility. <laughs> so all that stuff does go on. And I, uh, I played hockey. At the time, we had an embassy hockey team called the Moscow Maple Leafs. Nice. And uh, every Saturday, we'd play outdoors. Now, my question is, was the logo the blue, or did they have to do the red leaf? Well, <laughs> yeah, that's a very good question, because in 1972, the red leaf was just coming into being. You know, there was a big fight uh, yeah. to change the flag. So I meant the red leaf because the Soviet red, but yes, okay, yeah, yeah. the Canadian flag. So the Canadian yeah. flag comes into being in yes. 1965. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we got sweaters from the Toronto Maple Leafs. Okay. And so we wore blue and white. Oh. Uh-huh. And we were the Moscow Maple Leafs, and we had a, uh, you know, crest that reflected that. Yeah. But some of the francophones at the embassy uh, weren't happy at all. Oh, <laughs> uh, of course. they like the blue, blanc et rouge. Yes. The Canadien, the Montreal. Uh, so we had a broomball team okay. as well. And we played hockey Saturday. We played broomball Sunday. And mm-hmm. we also had a pub, you know, a bar in the basement of the embassy. And we had Molson's. Wow. And uh, we used to give out a, a, a case of beer uh, to the Russians before our game. Hmm. They could drink it whenever they wanted. But we were running short of beer. Uh-oh. So we were asked to, uh, you know, let's get an order into Molson's in Montreal. And someone suggested, hey, how about... Since Molson's owned the Montreal Canadiens at the time. Oh, they did? Let's, let's ask them for some sweaters. Wow. Okay. And the guy that was asked to write that letter was yours truly. So I wrote a letter to David Molson. And David Molson, I said, we'd like, first of all, you go with the commercial side, right? So we'd mm-hmm. like to order 1,500 cases of Molson's. Yes. For you to ship from Montreal to Moscow. <laughs> yes. And in the next paragraph, I said... By the way, we're wearing these leaf outfits on Saturday, and not everyone's happy with that. Do you think you could send us a set of Montreal Canadian uniforms for our Sunday broomball games? Yeah. Sure enough, there they came on the next aircraft. Beautiful. And we, we put those uniforms on. Everybody was happy then. No doubt. Yeah, everybody was happy. Uh, so play, playing outdoors hockey, uh, spoke Russian, and my job at the embassy was dealing with exchanges. Uh, you know, scientists, educators, okay. musicians, uh, dancers, and so on and so forth. Yes, okay. And hockey was in that mix, too. Hmm. Sport, oh. Sports. Yes. And Pierre Trudeau was prime minister at the time, was looking for some common ground with the Soviets to try and prevent a war breaking out. Yeah. You know, let's not call them all bad. Uh-huh. Um, where can we find the common ground? And the common ground was hockey because in Canada we love hockey. We play all the time. Yep. You guys in Belleville here have the senators, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. junior senators, and the Soviets love hockey too. Yes. So we 
had been trying a long, long time to get a series of the best versus the best, and that landed on my desk uh, to try and help make that happen. And lo and behold, uh, an agreement was uh, reached to have four games in Canada, four in the Soviet Union. Cool. Best versus best, no trophy. Yeah. No trophy. No trophy. No, no trophy. trophy Only yeah. glory. Only yeah. glory, bragging rights. <laughs> so you couldn't have done that with the Soviet Union and the U.S. because the U.S. would have wanted a trophy. Yeah. Perhaps, they, yeah. They, they would have been like, no, no, no we need the biggest well, trophy. The biggest ever. Yeah. 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 But the Soviets love trophies too. And that's oh, okay. Why they, they, part of the deal was that they wouldn't be declared ineligible for Olympic trophies, oh. and Olympic medals, and the world championship. So yes. that's how we got around all this. Uh, because we were, as I said earlier, we were confident that if yes. we got our NHL people on the ice with Yeah, them, they're going to sweep them. Yeah, no contest. Yeah, 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 yeah. But at that time, the World Hockey Association was just getting started. Guys like Bobby Hall and Jerry Cheevers. Mm -hmm. uh, the deal was, if you didn't sign with an NHL team by the beginning of training camp, August mm -hmm. the 13th, uh, 72, you were ineligible. And Bobby Hull had gone over to the WHA. They gave him a million-dollar bonus. Yeah, he was the first one of the first to get a million yeah. dollars, yeah. right? Yeah, absolutely. Because uh, people forget that the salaries, the NHL salaries, were really small. Oh, they were insanely yeah, small. Five, six thousand a year. Insane. And no, no benefits. Insane. You know, no, no hospitalization. No pension. No. Nothing. Huh. No. The owners controlled those guys. Jesus. And if they spoke out or anything, they tried Ted Lindsay. Tried a. a uh, you know, to set up a, uh, a union, and they were given a lot of trouble. So, and there, there probably wasn't the healthcare back then. No. no. Yeah. That was just coming in. Well, healthcare, yeah, Medicare was about 65 as well. Yeah. So you were on your own, and if uh, you displeased the ownership, uh, whether it was the Blackhawks or the Canadians or the Leafs or Red yeah. Wings or whatever, you were sent back home to Capus Casing or yeah, wherever. <laughs> Go back to your farm. That's yeah. it. Yeah. That's it. Wow. Yep. Yeah. So there, you, there you are. And so we're very happy that we're the concluding film here yes. in Belleville, the yeah. film festival. That's pretty special. Yes. Yeah. And um, we will definitely check out your book. I definitely want to grab a copy. Check, mm -hmm. check out the book and see this film because yes. it's really a great film. It's hockey, it's history, it's yes. diplomacy. And we got all kinds of different people interpreting it and some great, uh, yeah, that's, uh, great archives. That's really cool. Yeah. yeah. Well, we thank it. you for talking to us. Okay, you're thank welcome, you, guys. Thank you. We have the excellent opportunity of sitting down with one of the main filmmakers here at uh, DocFest 2023. If you would like to introduce yourself. Well, I'm Peter Raymond. I'm the president of White Pine Pictures, and we're delighted to have three films here at DocFest this year. The, the film on Buffy St. Marie, Carry It On, uh, directed by Madison Thomas from, from Winnipeg and, and co-produced with my company and... Eagle Vision in Winnipeg, and the film Unloved, which played this morning here, directed by Barry Cohen, and now, tonight, the closing night film, Icebreaker, uh, the 72 Summit series, directed by Robbie Hart. Very nice. What was your role in each? I was, I was the executive producer of all these films, which means <laughs> I get, to, I get there to raise the money and look after the business side and make sure that all the funders are happy and... You hire the director, you you uh, oversee the management of the budget, and uh, you know it's 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 my company that produces it. So we're also 
doing the distribution of these films. Right. That's a tough role for documentaries particularly. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a well, busy role. I mean, I also direct sometimes, um, but uh, lately I've been, do I've been doing more of this uh, executive producer work. Right, yeah. So, of, of the three that you have here, in no way am I implying to choose favorites, but <laughs> which one, um, oh, I guess, because um, the Icebreakers has yet to screen. Screening, screening in a minute here at the, yeah. at the Empire. We will definitely be in tow, but... Um, They're all very different films, you know, and, uh, you know, it's like choosing among your children, as they say. <laughs> You've had a hand in each of them, yeah. Uh, yeah. But they're very different films, and there are many types and styles of documentary film. It's not kind of one thing. Yeah. Uh, as, with, as with feature films of all types, dramatic films. I mean, the Buffy film is a, an extraordinary feature documentary about one of the icons of singer-songwriters of our time. You know, she's been doing it for 60 years, Buffy. Yeah. She's wow. 82 years old now. She wrote Universal Soldier, which was a great kind of anti-war anthem mm -hmm. during the Vietnam War when I was a teenager. She wrote When It's Time For You To Go, a beautiful love song that Elvis Presley made famous. And, of course, she wrote Up Where We Belong, which won her the Oscar, the only indigenous person to that time to win an Oscar in any category. Oh, wow. Yeah. And she's still performing at age 82. She still travels. She still gets up on stage and dances around. And uh, she's an extraordinary person. Yeah. A very decent, really nice person. Yeah. Two legendary um, features of what it what it sort of means to be a Canadian nowadays, mm. like the the Icebreaker Summit series and uh, yeah, Icebreaker Buffy too. Icebreaker is the 50th anniversary of the 1972 hockey, the most you know exciting, uh, important in a way, hockey series of all time. The first time NHL players played internationally mm -hmm. against uh, the Soviet Union. And it broke open. It was an icebreaker for all in all sorts of ways. That event it was during the Cold War. Uh, Prime Minister Trudeau was looking for some way of trying to break the kind of logjam of international diplomacy. Mm -hmm. And yeah. you know, Nixon they'd done the ping pong diplomacy with China and the States, and so <laughs> this was kind of Canada's yeah. way of trying to break the ice with the Soviets. So the northern way to do it. The yeah. northern way to do it. And Robbie Hart's done a fantastic job in directing this film. And, you know, Wayne Gretzky's in it and Ron McLean and a whole host of Tretiak, the famous Soviet goaltender. Yeah. Um, and, of course, Gary Smith, the ambassador who's signing his books here, mm -hmm. um, who uh, it's his book really inspired the f this film that we made. It's about the whole background the diplomatic side of how the series got organized and how he kept it from going off the rails. He was at the Canadian Embassy in Moscow at the time. Right, yep. And then the third film, I'm sorry, is Unloved, which right. is yep. a really powerful, passionate, intimate film made by Barry Cohen, which started as, a, as her investigation of what happened to her two half-brothers who died in this oh, institution wow. for disabled children called Huronia on Lake Simcoe and uh, became a much bigger film um, about how, you know, how do we care for the most vulnerable, vulnerable among us? There right. Are, there yeah. are disabled children in every community and every yeah. society. And, um, you know what? And so they were institutionalized for many, many years. That's what people did with disabled, their disabled children, sent them off to these institutions. And yeah. 
sadly, Heronia, there was so many stories of physical abuse, mental abuse, sexual abuse. Wow. It's a, kind of a horror story. Yeah. That's rough. Yeah. Uh, I didn't get to catch... Um, uh, un- unloved. Unloved. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't see that one, but um, well, you can watch it on Gem. <coughs> oh, it on is the CBC okay. Gem. Oh, that's okay, good to know. cool. And yeah. yeah, people can see it there all the time. It was on the main network a couple of weeks ago as well, CBC. Okay, good. And to the know. Buffy film uh, can be seen on Crave, which is the Bell streaming service. Oh yes, service. okay, you know, cool. A lot yeah. of people get Crave. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, Icebreaker here is is on Super Channel, which is quite popular. Uh, Rogers Sportsnet had it on a couple of weeks ago they were on um, uh, the All-Star Weekend. Nice. So, um, about documentaries maybe more generally, sure. conceptually, um, how, do you, how do you approach, like what's your favorite kind of doc, if I were to sure. reference like uh, Bill Nichols, like his um, critique or his breakdown of different kinds of documentaries? Do you have a favorite that you you kind of gravitate towards? Like I think I think I think the best documentaries are made by passionate directors, filmmakers who just care so much about the film. They desperate to make this film. They have to make this film, no matter what. They're usually a central character who's going through some change or some difficult period in their life and is open and is access is very important. You have to have. Mm-hmm. Uh, exclusive access to someone or something. It's easier to do if you're the filmmaker. Yeah. 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 Um, so th- those are the best documentaries in my mind. Not so much about issues, and although they become about issues, but they're always seen through, the, through a lens of, of some very personal experience. Right. I, I prefer that kind of documentary as well. Like um, I think Sarah Pauly. Is oh, a yeah. great, great example of stories we tell. Beautiful film. It's it's in t- it's almost I refer to it um, pretty often as pure in that she's the filmmaker. It is about her life, so she chose to turn the camera on to herself. Right. So there's there's no sense of getting consent to film someone's life. She's chosen to do this on her own, and she has the skills to do it. And then it becomes even more layered and self-reflective because. The documentary tells the story until the point where she decided to make a documentary, and then yeah, it becomes right. completely reflexive. <laughs> it, yeah, I'm I'm with you. It's my favorite kind of film for now sure. She, now she's up for an Oscar with uh, Women Talking, which is a great great film. Oh right, yeah, that's playing I think here at the Empire. And you know, three years ago I was here with this young kid, Daniel Rohr. He was 24 years old. He made this film about Robbie Robertson and the band that played here at the Belleville Documentary Festival, and now he's up for an Oscar for Navalny, and I think he's, I think he's probably going to win. I, we, I didn't know about that until just last... Yeah, he's the uh, director of this film. <clears throat> that's so, wild. Yeah, yeah from, we, got to, we caught the Q&A with him on the gala that's from, uh, last time. Yeah, that's it. That's 2020. Right. So, yeah, that Bell, was great. From Belleville to Hollywood. <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> yeah, that's wild. That's so cool. He kind of got his in starts three years. In, yeah. in part with White Pines. Well, that was his first big feature film. Yeah. Feature nice. doc. Yeah, it was a big break for him. And it opened the Toronto Film Festival, which was huge. Oh, really. wow, that is huge, uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so sure, that helped propel him forward, that's for sure. Very nice. Cool. So, of of not the three that you are um, 
involved with at this festival this year. Is there another one that you've seen that uh, really oh, stuck out? Oh, I, I came here to see as many films as I could because, you know, during TIFF and events like that, when you've got a film, you're so busy with meetings and making sure everything's going to go well for your screening, it's hard to watch other films. Yeah. yeah. So I came to Belleville, I, I, and I just live just north of here on Stony Lake. Um, and I saw quite a few films. Uh, the, the Color of Ink is an extraordinary film, which I saw early this morning over at the Arts Centre. Beautiful film by Brian Johnson about ink. You know, what, who, could, uh, who could have thought that such an, a, a bizarre subject could be such a great film? Yeah, there's yeah. almost nothing more static. You put it down and it dries. And it's just yeah. about people making color, like making this, yeah, ink? This, it, the, the main uh, character in the film is a guy who makes ink. And wow. he uses natural sources and goes off into the woods and finds the right type of berry and crushes it and grinds it and sends it off to people who use his ink all over the world. And so you meet those people too. People oh, that's in, very cool. In Japan and huh. Europe and elsewhere. No, it's a very beautiful film. Great character beautifully shot by Nick de Poncier. So it had a lot going for it. That's an interesting film. It takes such a, a ubiquitous but small detail of everyone's life. and it, it Something you take for granted. It expands yeah. it across ink. the entire world. You don't think world. about ink, like where does it come from? How is it made? Yeah. So yeah. What kind of ink it is. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. That is very interesting. Yeah. We were over at the Pinnacle Playhouse and we saw um, the, the Mighty Spitz. Oh, I missed that one. Yeah. That's one of the ones I wanted to see that I you yeah. know, couldn't fit into my schedule. Yeah, Great was, story. Yeah, it was a very yeah. good story. And the yeah. short that was before it was good, too. Yeah, I sent her in the making, the, the Stu Crawford story. Yeah, yeah, I was yeah. there at that story. one. Yeah. Captivating. Really, really well done. And then I saw To Kill a Tiger today, which is... Whew. Blow, I, blows you away. We stepped out of that one because I, I was oh not prepared. God. It was yeah. very powerful. Yeah. Very well, nice. thanks for t chatting with me. Oh, thank you for, thank you for chatting with us. I think really our film's it. about to start, so yes. I'm go in and do the intro. There's less yes. background noise. I think you're right. <laughs> yes, it sounds like it. Okay. Well, thank Guys. you very much. All right. Okay, so that was some of our content from uh, the last couple of days at uh, the Belleville Downtown Dog Fest. Beautiful. We're at an end. Beautiful. Yeah. That you guys got. Thank you very much for uh, doing that in my absence. Yeah, well, you know, sometimes we have to step up, Tyler. I know, I know. <laughs> we'll be three <laughs> dudes next year. Yeah, two and, yes. a half, two and a half, maybe. Yeah. Now that we're like this is our second year in, I just assume we have carte blanche. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, to return every yeah. year, but we'll like get up on Christian stage and before I said, every screening. Yeah, Christian and I said yesterday, like the first time we did this. Two weeks after, we indirectly started a pandemic. Yeah. So hopefully there's not another world yeah. pandemic now that we're back here. Yeah. You know you know what would be... What? It was that long? Or was it not last year we no. were here? No, what? dude. No, two we were ago. here, oh, and then the pandy came into town. Yeah, oh, Dogfest was March 8th, and everything shut down like March, March 21st. Yeah. Yeah. We brought pandy to town. Oh, yeah. That's great. That, that's like three years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because that was 2020. Holy shit. Not good, man. No. Um, yeah, but now I assume we have carte blanche to come back. You know, it'd be really cool. Yeah, if we could incorporate ourselves even more and be part of like the Q and A. <laughs> yeah. I, like I don't know what anyone would want to ask. Yeah, but no, 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 not a Q and A for us. Like we run oh, the Q and A. We have a Q and A for everyone else. No, like they what? Like the Q and A's that are after the things. Yeah. yeah, that's part of our show. Like we're up on stage and. 
Yeah, like oh, we're doing the Q and A. Yeah, we run one. Yeah, that would be cool, actually. Yeah, hmm. I'd love to maybe sit down with Holly and and discuss doing that. Yeah, I guess we should mention in the outro that yeah, um, that is since a good this idea. Is the last day, Holly Dewar has been instrumental in getting us a spot here and making sure all the staff know. And she's been more than gracious and courteous yeah. and uh, absolutely welcome. Um, so for people not uh, here in Belleville uh, or have no fucking clue where Belleville is, uh, I believe you can uh, get like virtual passes where you can yeah, watch stuff next online. Week. Eh? Yeah, there's some. Yeah, yeah. starting. There were yeah. some that were just Tomorrow. in person and then some that were a mix and then some that were just virtual. But yeah. there's, yeah. I think a lot of them are virtual. Yeah, I think a good portion of them are. There was one that we had talked about, Mitch and I, yesterday that we really want to see, uh, Paper City about uh, oh, yeah. an elderly Japanese couple who are trying to preserve the history that they got firebombed like mad in yeah. World War II. And it seems to be that generations after um, acknowledge less and less that that is the case. Yeah. So they're doing like archival uh, maintenance nice. to make sure that those records mm-hmm. don't get lost to the people who died and who helped and who survived. And But it's only screening virtually. Yeah. Yeah, so you can't, we weren't able to watch it here in person. Well, I'll definitely want to check that out because. Yeah. So for, for people, which is like 99.9% of uh, <laughs> yeah. of our listeners that aren't from the local area, like go and check out, it's downtowndocfest.ca. Yeah. Um, if you like documentaries, which I assume you do because you're listening to yeah. us every week. Now, and- don't get freaked out by the .ca. It's like a .com. It's just a Canadian thing. So it's <laughs> yeah. not that big a deal. Um. Yeah, like go on and give it a give it a look. Like it's a cool little uh, film festival that yeah. we got going on here. Yeah, um, and support like the more support uh, film festivals like this get, yeah, the more mainstream documentaries become, and yeah, the more everyone who doesn't have I I wouldn't say access is the wrong word, but doesn't have the um, the means. No, not means. It, Interest. Desire, yeah, something with all the fuck are you trying to say? I don't know. The words on right on the tip of my tongue. Who documentaries aren't like out there for like right? Like someone who you know Joe Blow on the street is like has no interest in documentaries because yeah. they're not uh, upfront, right? And they're mm-hmm. yelling at him in the face to watch them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's those people that you know once they start watching, I was like, holy fuck, this is cool. There's lots yeah. of stuff to yeah, it's really fun. Lots yeah. of different. Uh, um, subjects and stuff like yeah, it could be on anything and it's interesting everyone yeah. everyone has interests right like yeah there, there's not yeah. anywhere anyone that is like well, i have no interest in anything so and there's <laughs> gonna be a doc about everything yeah like there's yeah. there's a doc about literally every kind of subject you can imagine absolutely yeah. Yeah. they're usually a great repository for information of interest yeah yeah so yeah so the more we can support small uh film festivals like this uh, I think it's it's uh, crucial and beneficial to the whole Fuck uh, yeah. art form and uh, absolutely and everything. Absolutely, yeah. the one that last time we were here, the doc that Christian and I went to the opening gala was a doc on the band and yeah. about Robbie Robertson. Yeah. The guy who did that is going to like probably win an Oscar. He did um, uh, Navalny. Okay, it's yeah, the yeah. Oscar-nominated yeah. show, I think, or maybe a movie. Okay. I guess it has to be a movie, right? Yeah. yeah. They it's don't a doc. do TV shows there. No. Oh, it's a doc? Yeah, it's a documentary. Oh, I it? thought it was like a... Or is it a movie? Feature film. I don't know. I have no idea. Neither oh, do I. I. It was, oh. The point of my story is there was a guy that was here 
when we were here, and now yeah. he's going to win an Oscar. He's got an Oscar nominated. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, we found that out last night, and we're like, oh fuck, that's cool. Yeah, that was huh. awesome. So we're like, oh yeah, that was that yeah. guy. So like, yeah, you think of like, you know, this is a town of like sixty thousand. I think that's being generous. Yeah. Um, yeah. So like, you think of a a film festival here, like, well, fuck, it's small Mickey Mouse films, right? Like, yeah. no, like there's some big name stuff here. Like, yeah. Like I it's know, an international film yeah. festival. Like I know the one that's uh, um, going on tonight, the screening tonight, uh, Icebreakers, mm-hmm. about the uh, 1972 summit series between Canada and uh, Russia or Soviet Union hockey. Yeah. Formerly known. Yeah. Um, like I think that's a pretty big doc. Like yeah. it's, it's an important doc and it's, yeah. it's about the, the diplomat who, the Canadian Russian diplomat who uh, kind of, I think set it up, set it all up. Yeah. Organized. Yeah. yeah. It's uh, like war, but on ice. Yeah. That's a so, good pitch. That's what the Russians are like, we're in. <laughs> Let's go. We do that all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that sounds so, like a lot of fun. So, yeah. So, like, you know, smaller film festivals are still extremely important. Yeah. yeah. And this like, doc is, like, this doc fest is cool in that they, they try really hard and are always successful to have, like, the filmmakers here present. Yeah, yeah that's the, huge. One of the producers for it, um... What's his name? Raymond? Peter Raymond. Peter Raymond. Yeah. He's here. We were, we were. And I think a former diplomat or a former like ambassador or something. The ambassador. We like, the, guy, the guy who the doc's about. It, he is here? I, well, I assume. I, th- yeah, I think he's okay. a part of the okay. Q&A. Yeah. Okay. Fuck, yeah. That's cool. So like yeah. filmmakers and participants. That's super cool. Docs. You just be like, hey man, what was your first thought? Like when you went into Russia and like these people would have went into Russia having like no idea, like what we know yeah. of Russia. And then like, I, I was, I didn't know what I was going to expect. You know, like, holy shit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no expectations. crazy. So yeah. So like if you're, if you're a documentary uh, movie enjoyer, uh, connoisseur, yeah, aficionado. Um, Make it a destination. And, and not even like, not saying you have to come up here and, and watch in person, but like if you can watch it virtually, right? Yeah. Yeah, um, I'm sure virtual passes are relatively inexpensive, it's especially, a, especially for our American friends who get the benefit of the U.S. dollar. <laughs> Sons of bitches. Yeah. <laughs> they um, can screen two for the price of one. Yeah, yeah. Or or if you have a local like uh, documentary film festival, dude, go to it. Yeah. 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 Like, yeah. like support it. Yeah. Um, because it's so important. Yeah. It's so important. Like, especially like, you know, the three of us talk all the time. How we would love to to make a documentary, and we've pitched ideas around. And without support for these filmmakers, then yeah, you're you know, fucking dead that, in the that, water. That doesn't happen, right? Yeah. yeah. Um. So yeah, like if we were to try and do something and uh, um, put something together, like yeah, like to be able to put it into a film festival and get that support and yeah and, uh, and everything is is detrimental or is beneficial to. Uh, yeah, uh, to being successful. Yeah, to get your your film out there. Yeah, yeah. and it's sure. even good for like the filmmakers too, because you always, anytime you create, it doesn't matter what the fuck it is, you create something, and then you have a stranger be like, "Hey, that's cool." Yeah, and like, you oh, want you shit, want I did that. The reason that these people make these films is for people to watch yeah. and enjoy. And yeah, learn, yeah, and learn from. And you don't want to be like, "Hey, I did this. Check this out." And you're like, "Man, fuck off." Yeah, but like have them, like we've had people come to us naturally. Yeah. I'm like, hey, that's cool what you guys do. I'm like, oh, fuck, really? No way. Like, yeah. that would be so weird if we were like, hey, what do you think? Like, check this out. 
positively oh, say that, something. I do that all the time. I'm like, <laughs> you Jesus. need to check it. I don't tell podcast. anyone. They're like, yeah. what are you doing? Like nothing. I don't I'm, do anything. I'm like a uh, a CrossFit person. Everyone like Jesus. Fucking nobody Christ. knows you do CrossFit except everyone knows you do CrossFit because you tell everyone. Yeah. Like, hey, like, I'm Tyler. Nice to meet you. I do a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I, yeah. I just told the guy at work the other day about it. He's like, oh, fuck, really? And he searched it up on his phone while I was standing there. You're gonna say uh, it's like yeah. subscription based, and you're it, taking all the money. So I was looking on, on <laughs> you Anch- son of a bitch on, on Anchor where we. Uh, so like it was monetized for a little bit. We had an ad for a little bit for those who have been listening along yeah. uh, for Anchor. Um, but apparently now um, ads are no longer available in our area. Oh. Uh, yeah. but, but you can you can subscribe. Like you can do a subscription base. Oh. Like anywhere from like 99 cents a month up to like, you know, 100 bucks a month. 100 bucks a month. They get yeah. my personal phone number. Yeah. Let's go. <laughs> but yeah. I'm I, down. All right. <laughs> I don't well, we got to give them something. I don't think we're getting anyone that's going to pay us 90, 99 cents a month. Oh, wow. That's I, okay. only the $100 subscriptions. Yeah. If yeah. we get 100 people to pay 99 cents, right. we're on to something. I don't think anyone's going to pay 99 cents to hear us fucking blabber on. Yeah. yeah. Three idiots in a urinal? Yeah. Maybe. Maybe with that. we. I'm we willing to give it a try. The pee pitch of different urinals. And you'd be like, that's, <laughs> they're pissing into a General Electric right now. Yeah. <laughs> Does General Electric make? I don't know. I don't. I I don't. Do you guys know American Standard? Fuck, that's what I was thinking of. Son of a bitch! (laughs) All right, this is devolving. Um, Cool. But yeah, no, like stuff like this is so important, and you know, it's absolutely. It's nice, like like you said, Peter Raymond's here. Um, He's the producer of uh, of Icebreakers, Um, so for him to come up here and do a Q and A, like. Yeah, that's that's huge. so fucking cool. Yeah, yeah. Like, you could have the chance to talk to like uh, an Oscar-nominated director. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so stuff like that. like you know we talk, when we talked to Dylan Reeve uh, mm-hmm. for Tickled. Yeah. Um, so like kind of like part two of the sequel to Tickled um, that we we talked about um, all took place at a at a film festival. Yeah. 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 Oh, that's yeah. yeah, I yeah. Forgot Where about they that. screen it and yeah, then and yeah, they show up. They yeah, show yeah, 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 yeah. So and like totally <gasps> became part of the Q and A. So y- you never know what kind of exciting shit will happen at a yeah. Q&A, right? Good point. Fucking crazy. <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah. Solid. Um. So obviously we don't know what's um going to be playing next year because they will do like an official selection mm-hmm. um, before the uh, the festival next year. Um. But yeah, I'm excited to see what's going to be here. And yeah, next next year, I have vowed that now that we know we basically or assume that we have carte blanche, we've been invited back for a second time. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to make sure my schedule is clear. We'll be three dudes and a dog on site. Yes. Nice. And hopefully we can, yeah. we can drum up some more interest. Yes. This year, yeah, I think. Christian touch on for there's a bit of a, a snowstorm. A bit of yeah. one. Yeah, Friday, got like a like, foot and a half of snow yeah. in 12 hours. Yeah. Um, so Wild. yeah, that put a, a damper on the weekend for sure. Some bullshit. Uh, yeah. But uh, yeah, just talking to Holly here and, and you know, trying to get the word out more about it and, and coverage of it. Uh, I think it's super important. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Um, yeah. So... Do you have a favorite one that you've watched so far? So far, um, I would definitely say the uh, A Century in the Making. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Super cool. Really hard-hitting story. Nice and short. Punchy. 
Yeah. It lasted as long as it really needed to, though yeah. like it could have gone longer, but I think that's the way to do it. You don't yeah. want to run yourself into the ground sure. and yeah. shovel. It's two hours of useless stuff yeah, with just 20 filler. minutes of, of really pertinent stuff. Yeah, or just especially with that subject like that, because you only have so much archival footage. You can only cut back to so many times seeing a plane yeah. Yeah. land or not land or drop bombs. It's like at some point it becomes all the same shit, yeah. but for that like 15 minute story, you're like, Holy, what the fuck? Like this guy was yeah. literally just a kid. And then like, I guess I'm going to do this now. And then, Oh, I'm going to go to school. It's like those tiny five and five hour energy drinks. Yeah. Just, just enough <laughs> yeah. to give you a, a good kick. You, yeah. you don't need, you don't need that. Full, was crazy. That full, uh, big Red Bull yeah. can. Yeah. You don't need to go to actually go to war. Just yeah. listen to it for mm -hmm. 15 minutes. And you're like, that's crazy. Yeah. I imagine how long it would take him to tell you that story if you're sitting on a couch yeah. somewhere. Especially if he's 100, you'd be like, man, get to the point. Or that. Yeah, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to grind it into the ground. Yeah, that was my favorite yeah. so far. Yeah, definitely. Same, same yeah, with yeah, yeah, because yeah. it was like short. Mm. Like the ASD band was cool, but like I'm not super into music. And yeah. it was kind of just like, that's neat that that's a thing and they have an outlet. But this is like, yeah, short. And then like, oh, wow. And I think, you know, it's not like obviously history and and you know, war is something that we were all kind of like, yeah, yeah. That definitely perks up our interest. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, okay, no, I, I could dabble. Well, I know you guys are kind of like, I don't want to say historians, but like you guys enjoy history. Like I know Mitch, you always talk about different uh, yeah. world war mm -hmm. two books uh, and stories and stuff like that. So, yeah. So, so again, there's, there's going to be a documentary for literally probably all like, it's like Reddit, right? Like, I, I always tell people yeah. who don't know what Reddit is. I'm like, yeah. it's a website that is segmented into like whatever, su whatever subject you want. Like yeah, you know, anything. If you like chocolate ants, like there's probably a chocolate ants subreddit. Oh, I bought chocolate ants like two yeah. weeks ago. Are they good from Reddit? I haven't had them <laughs> yet, but no. Oh. Um, cool. Yeah. So like, like as, as obscure or um, different that you think your interest is, mm -hmm. there's probably a documentary about it. Yeah. Absolutely. Like, yeah, and I, and I sure. know true crime is kind of like, Oh Jesus it, fucking it, Christ. It, it's, it's become huge, right? Like true crime. It's pretty hot right now. Yeah. It's a huge yeah. segment. Let's of, commit uh, one. You guys want to commit one? A true crime? Yeah. <laughs> Good it's luck committing a false fucking documentary. We like do a thing and out like an outlet where we talk about documentaries yeah. and then we commit yeah. a crime and then there's someone profiling so like, us. What if we made a documentary <laughs> claiming it's real, but it's not actually, it's like a fully made up story. Is that like fraud? No, that's know. like Michael Moore. You're testing, the, uh, <laughs> you're testing the waters. Is that what you mean? Or like, no, I don't say like that. bro, I'm saying I could go miss it for six months and like, it's alleged that you guys killed me or something. Now we yeah. got a dog. Yeah. Or like, and how interesting would it be if wild. they were to go back in the archives and find this exact episode? Yeah. Well, yeah. then we're fucked, but <sighs> that's well, episode at three. At least this clears our name. We didn't Does actually it? kill him. Oh, I suppose. Yeah. Or did, oh, or did we? Go. Yeah. And this is this the cover is, up. Yeah. This is the oh, man. This is the red herring. Like a documentary, you never know what happened before you turn it on. It's like fucking Clue. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I'm excited to to keep coming back here and uh, absolutely talking about this and yeah and seeing it grow. And, absolutely, uh, we might end up showing one. We'll be back for the thirteenth yeah. year hosting one. Not us thirteen. It's thirteen years. Is it? Well, it's 13? twelve. But next this year, this is the twelfth year. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah. Cool. Cool. We'll have to do one a big thing for number fifty. For it's quinceanera. Fifty. For fifteen. Yeah. Isn't oh thirteen the quinceanera? The next year. 
Yeah, I think so. Yeah, we'll do yeah. the dog fests continue. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I'll wear dresses and stuff. <laughs> That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> All right. I just really want to have one. It looks like a lot of fun. Yeah, well, you could just have one, I guess. Eric Andre did. Yeah. Um, yeah, for his birthday, he like dressed up and it was hilarious. <laughs> it was great. Huh. Anyways, right. on that note. Yeah. Um, thanks for joining us. At, yeah, at thank Dauphin. you. So like, again, the website for uh, people interested in it is uh, downtowndocfest.ca. Like super Doc simple. Um, um, yeah. Um, yeah, you can go there and... Uh, and uh, see it and uh, watch virtually and enjoy it enjoy find something you like hell yeah okay gentlemen so kind of we'll be back next week with our regular scheduled doc regular uh, scheduled programming rivers and tides cool perfect all right awesome thanks guys peace cool